Sentinel was leaving the little gathering of not little, the gathering of uh, the Flaming Hellbow at that bar. He was leaving with um, Kim and Misty, and they were talking about going to meet the rest of their group. He had the knife and spitter sort of stationed there for him to keep an eye on things, let him know how it went with the Hellbow, what they were planning on doing. So uh, I'm assuming that's what's going on. Um, Timing-wise, we'll say all of this starts to happen around dusk. So when Morgan leaves the place with these two, they uh, take him to a old pickup truck with a Kentucky plate on it, tell him he needs to lie down in the bed of the truck and cover himself with something. They're sort of still acting a bit wary around him, and they're saying this is like a security thing. They don't want necessarily for him to know where they're going. It's also a bit loose, because they can't really enforce it. They're both sitting in the cab of the truck when this takes place, so it's sort of like um, open to interpretation how much they trust or distrust him. He's going to be able to have some sense of where they're going. Say, somewhere along the way, he starts to, like, instinctively look up. He starts to, like, get up from his, like, lying down position in the bed of the truck to look around and be like, I I swear we're right near so-and-so. I'm just gonna... When he does that, the truck slams to a halt. Cars behind them are honking. The little uh, slide window opens up. And uh, Kim leans back through. She's like, hey, I'm keeping an eye on you. The whole point of this is so you don't know where we're going. We're not 100% on you yet, so you just stay there. So he can still sort of keep track of where they are. You get a sense that um, Morgan gets the sense that they are along the river somewhere. He can sort of smell the water. Um, They're not in the sink. They're um, possibly going north along the river for a while. Then they peel off, and uh, there seem to be a lot of deliberately confusing twists and turns. Later on, if you want him to be able to recall where they're going, um, we'll have you do a roll for it. But... By the time they stop, night has fallen. Uh, night, night falls during the ride. When they let him out, or when he gets out of the truck, they're pulled up outside a mall in the suburbs. Misty sort of reads his the look on his face or his posture. I don't know if he's in his suit or not anymore at this point. She sort of gets a read off of him one way or another. And I was like, well, of course nobody's going to fucking come here looking for a bunch of revolutionaries. She's like, come on. So they walk in through uh, one of the service entrances behind, like, the mall food court. And um, she immediately takes him through a, you know, 
um, emergency exit or, you know, like authorized personnel only door. On his way in, he notices that someone has gently written un before authorized in pencil on the door. Um, there's a whole lower level to this mall, apparently. There's a bunch of, like, service corridors and storage space and stuff like that, and it appears to be in the process of being slowly repurposed. He sees a number of mall employees along the way, and there's kind of a uh, unknowing look that passes between them and uh, Misty and Kim. So, um, things are busy because all of the stores above ground are shutting down, but within about 15-20 minutes of getting there, he's in a, what looks like a, like a secondary kitchen or, um, like a maintenance room that's surprisingly big. Um, he looks around and notices that a wall has been knocked out to, uh, make this room connect to another room. And um, there's a bunch of people gathering there, and none of whom he recognizes. Or actually, there's like a couple of dudes from the sink there. Like uh, one guy who's about Morgan's age, and one um, woman who's like five, six years younger than him. Um, he recognizes them from the neighborhood. Um, whether or not they recognize him, I'll leave to you. The point is, um, these are like broke-ass, working-class type people, and it quickly becomes clear that um, they are, in addition to being mall employees, they are part of Misty and Kim's group. In fact, as it turns out, they are the bulk of Misty and Kim's group. There might be one other meta there at the moment. I won't... I haven't really decided who it is, but I can tell you who it isn't, because Misty and Kim have uh, taken him, taken Morgan aside and said, listen, uh, you know, we may have given you the impression that we're some, like, big, secret, super meta force, but we're really not. It's mostly just me, Humes. They don't say that. Misty calls them regular folks. Um, but she says, well, Kim says, we've actually got a few people in the city who have contacted us or who we know about by reputation, and they're interested in joining. So if you want to be a part of this, then that's part of your test. If you're going to be a part of this thing, you got to be willing and able to bring other people into it, too. Misty is sort of like watching her in a fond, tolerant way while she does this. Kim paces a lot while she talks. Misty's, Misty seems a little more grounded, and she's like, I know it sounds weird to send you out to get people when we're still trying to see if we've got you or not, but one or both of us will come with you. It's going to be dangerous trying to get people to come along. There's them peahams out there now again, starting shit. Strong men and technocrats both after us. So even if you don't say nothing, you come along and, well, I suppose we know you can fight. So if nothing else, you'll be good for that. What we got to do here, this little meeting right now, 
this ain't much. We're just checking in. Thing about us is most of the time folks are doing what they want to do. We just all talk to each other and make sure what we're doing don't conflict with something somebody else is doing. Ain't no boss. Ain't no central authority. That ain't how we do it. So me and Kim are going to do that later. We're going to go out tonight and see how many folks we can lay our hands on and talk to. If you want to be a part of this thing, you come with us and you just back us up. But for now, I guess you can just sit here and listen if you want. So the secret Luddite faction is mostly punk-ass mortals. Um, They want you to come with them to recruit some people. They have a few candidates in mind. Um, Some of them are mortal heroes. Uh, Lioness and Sarah Yee from the list are potential recruits, and they have a couple of metas in mind. As soon as they leave the club and, you know, he's talked to, to Spitter, who's communicating with Knife, Morgan, you know, as soon as uh, Misty and Kim's uh, backs are turned to him, his his costume is back up, and the entire time he was talking to them, you know, he had his hat pulled down and everything, so hopefully his, his face was obscured enough that they didn't get a real good look at him. And while he's riding in the, the back of the truck, I rolled a uh, 13. He has no intelligence modifier. So he'd tell me how that goes. And he's, he's also testing a theory of his suit's powers when he's walking through the, the hall up the back way of the mall when people are, are looking at his two companions that he's traveling with, seeing if they either notice him or if they, if they do, if they make a, a thing of it or, or what. He's, he's trying to test that out. And when they start talking to him, you know, about the going and finding somebody else and trying to recruit them. He just kind of nods under the mask. He's a little perplexed by this whole um, rigmarole. Like, I, I, I guess somewhere in his mind he thought it was more organized or, I don't know, that there was some somebody kind of spearheading, if not leading. And he does want to... Well, hold on, I'll just kind of do this as dialogue. It's like, no, I, I get, I get it. You guys gotta, gotta make sure that you trust me. Uh, I wish you had said something. I had two other guys with me uh, when we were back at the, back at the Flaming Hellbow meeting at the club. Uh, yeah, I, I could have brought them along. Um, we can go, we can go grab them. They were uh, getting some information. That, if anything was gonna go on there, um, you know, you need me to grab somebody else. I'm, I'm all about meeting some people. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to clarify, like, you guys aren't with the peahams, you're not with the, uh, technocrats, uh, you know, the, the strongmen, there's no political thing here. We're all about keeping this, you know, for the city, for, for protecting the people that don't have a voice that, you know, these political groups are just gonna tear this shit apart. Like, we're, we're here to, to help and, you know, not... Not take any particular side, right? So, depending on their answer with that, if it's favorable, you know, you know, Morgan slants at the moment. 
he'll either stick around or, or split. And if they start a meeting that kind of have the same viewpoint as him, he'll sit quietly back in a corner and just observe. And kind of seeing this as, or seeing this and hearing this has kind of sparked something in him. Like he was going to let Bianca kind of go and, and find her own way, but he's really having second thoughts about that. You know, there's all these political parties and all this, all these factions and everything being juggled around. And he really doesn't want her to get either mixed up in the wrong thing or get in too deep at the beginning. So next available chance he gets, you know, not like right away, right away, but next minute he gets to, to breathe, he's going to swing back by. He knows that he was just there. I can't remember if it was a couple hours ago or days or whatever, but seeing this has really sparked a thought in him that maybe she should know who he is and maybe he can bring her in on this on a, on a equally agreeable level. I believe this is the end of day five, which is July 10th in the uh, setting. So it's like 10-ish at night, 10.30. He's at the mall in the basement talking to Misty and Kim and their group of uh, Antifa, Luddite, whatever, whatever friends the antis we'll just call them the antis for now because what are you what are you they're anti that what do you got they got the opposite of that anyway when he mentions to uh kim that he had a couple of friends who he could have brought with him she bristles she's like hey you don't get to choose who's in our group you can't just bring guys along anyway what do you what do you mean guys what misty puts a hand on her shoulder just like come on now you can see Kim sort of collecting herself, and she's just like, well, I'm just saying, you know, we don't even know if you're okay, so don't just think you can bring people along and, and they'll be okay with us automatically, you know. A lot of people believe bad stuff, and they didn't even think they did until all this started happening. And then she sort of looks, she sort of takes a closer look at him and pokes one of the sort of like maybe an epaulette or a, a greave or a gauntlet or something. She's like, what's up with your suit anyway? Is this technology? But um, Misty diffuses that. She's like, you know, hey, you know, don't, don't give him shit. He's probably fine. We'll just see. She's like, we're going to start this meeting. And then, you know, after that, we're going to go out into the city and try and recruit these people who we think are interesting or who we know are interested in us. And um, so they start to talk. The group starts to talk. They uh, determine randomly or semi-randomly who is the facilitator of the meeting, or they, they use some word like that. They don't say leader or coordinator or something. It, it's some, like, non-hierarchical word. And everybody's very careful not to step on each other's toes, although everybody wants to yell about something. So the meeting's getting off to a slow start. Partway through... Roland feels a, a familiar, like, warm, almost burning sensation 
uh, from the part of his suit where he keeps Roland's magic radio. And as he's, like, fumbling for that, trying to get that quickly, uh, also his cell phone rings. So between the two of them, he learns that some stuff is going down in the sink um, at this moment. The phone call uh, goes straight to voicemail for whatever reason. He, he can, when he can get a chance to hear it, it's Bianca, and she's saying, she's like, Morg, are you in the neighborhood? You gotta be careful out there. There's some weird, something strange is going on. I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I've been hearing from people in the neighborhood. Some kind of, I don't know if they're cops or what, but people are out on the streets. I don't know, something's happening. You gotta, I don't know, you might wanna stay in tonight. I don't want you out there fighting too much, all right? Take care of yourself. Then the thing he hears from his radio is a magical voicemail from Roland. It's like, listen, chief, I uh, know the sink is your neighborhood, so I figured you'd want to know. Looks like the sept has come to collect, pal. I saw him down there stomping around, leading some jackboots, going through your neighborhood, pulling people out of their houses, throwing them in vans, or just stomping into people's apartments. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, looks, uh, bad. Looks martial law bad. Looks Poland 1940s bad. You know what I'm saying? Well, okay, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying. I don't know what you're doing, buddy, but you might want to get back here. He's, by the time he's heard both of these messages, the, the meeting is still going on. As soon as Morgan hears both of these messages, he's he probably wasn't sitting. He was probably leaning against a wall. He's, he's up, and he's right in the middle of the, the debating group and says, Okay, you guys got your own shit going on, but... I need a ride back to town. I don't know why. Okay, some shit's going down in the sink. Uh, it's a sept. They're fucking breaking into people's houses. Uh, I, I just got notified. So if you guys are here to help, come help me. If not, someone give me a fucking ride. If not, I need someone's fucking keys. I need to get back to the sink. And depending on people's reactions, you know, a few if-thens, if Kim is still giving him some shit or whatever, he's just going to look at her and be like, listen, I don't know what I did to piss you off. If you don't want me here, fine. Fucking take me back to the sink. I, yeah, I have no idea why you brought me to a, a fucking mall all hiding in the back of a ship, but we're at the fucking East Downs Mall, so fuck. I don't know. Just, I need to get back there. Um, if everyone is kind of hemming and hawing, he's just going to look at the balladeer and be like, listen, we seem to be on the same page. You know I'm on the up and up. We've run across each other before. I, I need a fucking hand here. So he's just going to try to get back to the sink as quickly as possible. Um, if 
he can't get anyone's assistant. He's just going to fucking book it out of this room and out. And he's going to try to find like, he's going to start running back towards the sink and he's going to wait until he finds an idling car or motorcycle or anything that can, uh, help speed him up and he'll feel bad about it, but he's going to, you know, temporarily, uh, confiscate said vehicle. He doesn't even fucking care if it's a bicycle, whatever. Um, he's just got to get back as, as quick as he possibly can. When Morgan is heading to the sink or when he gets to the sink, uh, depending on what the situation is, he's going to keep an eye out for Paku Paku or the sailor. And if he doesn't see either of them, he's not going to worry about Paku Paku, but he is going to, maybe depending on something Roland said at some point, about him feeling like the sailor was was sticking around and not done he's i don't know if they found out his if morgan was around when he found out his real name or if uh, when they talked to him he had um, kind of come up with something to call him when they were talking and communicating but he's going to he knows that the the sailor is kind of stuck to the sink area. He's going to try to invoke him. When Morgan gets up to interrupt the meeting with his news about the sink, Kim is the first to react. She's on her feet and in his face. And she says something like, Hey, what is it with you anyway? First you try and bring weird random guys here and now you're trying to a couple other people have started to say something but there's just a sort of cough from the other side of the room where Misty's sitting and people without realizing they're doing it shut up very quickly Kim looks over there and Misty just says Not Kim. She stands there right in Morgan's grill. She's got a a finger in his chest. You can tell, Morgan can tell she wants to keep arguing with him or calling him out or whatever it is she's trying to do. She seems to take this time to think about it. So instead she says, All right, come on, I'll take you. So she leads him out of the basement where the anti-meeting is happening. When they get outside near the mall, or they, they get above ground and come out one of the service entrances of the mall, she says, okay, look. I like the fact that you care about somewhere. So I'm going to take you to the sink. And after that, well, I don't know, maybe we'll give you another chance. She's like, but you better buckle up. Because um, I can get you there, but 
but I can't do it in a, uh, well, it's not going to be easy. The way she gets him there is by temporarily and uh, somewhat raggedly controlling the wind to lift them up in great clumsy jumps. It's not even like the wind reaches down and picks them up from the ground to a rooftop and then from one rooftop to another. It's more like Kim is blasting the two of them up into the air and then cushioning them right before they fall. So with a couple of bad turns and near misses or near hits as the comedian says she jump by jump throw by throw takes Morgan back to the sink the wind threatens a few times to pick him up by part of his costume and throw him the wrong direction but Kim exerts just enough control to not hurt anybody you're on the outskirts Morgan's on the outskirts of the sh- of the sink with Kim she's showing signs of tiredness but he's he tells her one more jump and he'll be where he wants to be He's getting her to put him down near the river so he can see about invoking uh, the the ghost of the drowned riverboat sailor. So he scans along the, you know, the sight line there and points out to her the next spot where he wants to go. She hurls them up into the air and they're coming down for a landing on the street in a sort of reverse blast of wind that she creates at the last second. When Morgan notices in the alleys of the buildings nearby, There are figures emerging. It's hard to tell who they are at first. They've put together sort of makeshift paramilitary uniforms out of black cargo pants, Doc Martens, leather jackets and old ski masks. But there are a bunch of men dressed head to toe in black carrying what he can already tell are vector tactical weapons. And as after the last of about six of them has emerged, one more figure walks down the central alleyway directly in front of him. Kim is trying to catch her breath and hold a defensive stance at the same time. 
as the last person walks out. He's golf clapping. The sound dulled somewhat by his immaculate white gloves. So, says Duke Disastro, the author of the greatest public riot in Stringersburg's history. I thought I might find you here. He makes a sweeping gesture. Gentlemen, with you as my witnesses, I am asking the vigilante who calls himself the Cerulean Sentinel to voluntarily accompany me to City Hall, there to surrender himself to the legitimate authorities duly elected to govern Stringersburg. There's a sort of rumble or chuckle that passes through the ranks of the men in black. And one of them's like, yeah, I got your witness right here. Disastro gestures to them again, toward them this time, indicating them to Morgan. He says, These are members of a voluntary public safety committee. They chose to accompany me this evening as I went about with the city's blessing, questioning some of the residents of this neighborhood where you have been known to be criminally active in your pursuit of what you call justice. Come along with me and with these brave men who have volunteered their time and no one will be harmed. He seems to notice Kim for the first time. He says, your associate need not be involved in this. 